How will you measure your life? By Clayton Christensen. One sentence summary. How will you measure your life shows you how to sustain motivation at work and in life. To spend your time on earth happily and fulfilled by focusing not just on money and your career, but your family, relationships and personal well-being. My favorite quote from the author is, It's easier to hold your principles 100% of the time than it is to hold them 98% of the time. Clayton Christensen Clayton M. Christensen is the world's leading authority on innovation, most notably due to his all-time classic The Innovator's Dilemma. Just about the only business book Steve Jobs ever thought was valuable to him. This book is more geared towards helping you balance professional life with, well, the rest of it. It points out that counterintuitively, taking time away from work for family, relationships, etc. can have a huge positive impact on your career and happiness, in the long run. Because these benefits take a long time to shine through, it's hard to invest the time right now and trust the process. And this is where the book can help. Here are my three favorite lessons. 1. Your relationships need your attention, always, even when you don't think they do. 2. Ask yourself what your job in relationships is to better understand others and intuitively do the right thing. 3. Don't fall into the trap of marginal thinking. Ready to find a new measure for your life? Here we go. How will you measure your life? Lesson 1. Relationships constantly require your attention, even when it doesn't seem like it. This answers the question, how can I make sure I maintain my best relationships in life? Do you sometimes avoid going to family birthdays? Have you ever felt happy some important work thing happened right at the same time and gave you a good excuse not to go? Deep in our hearts, you and I know that the relationships with the people closest to us, our best friends and family, are the biggest source of our happiness. So why don't we always dedicate the time they need to to them? There are two reasons for this. One, working more represents an immediate reward. It's really easy to see the benefit of an extra hour at work. You'll do something that'll advance your career and make you more money. And two, those who you have your best relationships with never ask for your time. That's why they're the best. They just support you no matter what you do. So they don't ask for much. In a sense, great relationships are a paradox. They need consistent dedication and lots of effort, even when it seems like they don't. It might seem like you can compensate less family time now for more later, but the truth is, damage done early can hardly be repaired in later years. How will you measure your life? Lesson 2. Build intuition and empathy by thinking of your family life as a job. This answers the question, how can I be a better husband, father, brother, family member? So what's one thing you can do to instantly improve your relationships and give them the attention they deserve? How about treating them like a job? Wait, what? Yup, that's right. Ironically, thinking of your relationships like you do about the thing you're supposed to give up a bit of, work, will actually make you better at them. Here's the single best question you can ask to improve any relationship. What job does X need me to do the most? X is the person in question. Could be your best friend, your dad, your family as a whole, or your partner. This flips the relationship on its head, approaching it from their perspective instead of yours, and forces you to dig deep. It helps understand the other party better and then come up with good ways to fulfill their needs. The more often you do this, the better you'll become at intuitively guessing what your spouse or son needs, which is a great recipe for flourishing and loyal relationships.
How will you measure your life? Lesson 3. Avoid the trap of marginal thinking. This answers the question, what's one of the traps we fall into in unwillingly destroying our relationships? One relationship we mustn't neglect in all this is the one you have with yourself. A really easy way to protect it at all times is to live with integrity. If your conscience is clear, you'll feel good about decisions you make and actions you take. And that's what makes those work out. For most people, integrity is the default setting. Where we wander off the path of doing what's right is where it gets icky. How can you avoid compromising your integrity? Simple. Recognize marginal thinking and don't engage in it. What's marginal thinking? It's when all you think about are the edges of the situation. For example, Blockbuster was the incumbent in the movie rental market for a long time. One day, a little company called Netflix started sending out DVDs via mail and had customers return them that way. Weirdos. Because they didn't want to pay the marginal costs of adding this service to their own portfolio of products, Blockbuster ended up paying the ultimate price instead. They went bankrupt in 2010. The same thing happens with morals. For example, many bankers in 2007 and 2008 thought it wouldn't hurt if they covered their mortgage loans' bad credibility just this once, which of course completely spiraled and ended with the world in financial crisis. Because they didn't want to pay the marginal price of sucking up to a bad decision immediately, they completely lost their integrity in the long run. Simply recognizing when you're thinking marginally can make a huge difference and will help you avoid making decisions just to avoid consequences of others you've made previously. Here's what I learned from How Will You Measure Your Life by Clayton Christensen. So this book is a little bit about mental biases and removing them, especially that last part, marginal thinking. It was a bit about the sunk cost fallacy. Uh, it also has another name. I don't quite recall it. But basically, we make irrational decisions based upon prior rational decisions just to make sure we are consistent with our actions, right? So like the bankers, right? They would say, ah, oh, let me just, you know, just this once, it's okay, the loan, it's not going to default, the loan is not going to default. And then the next time they do it again, because they they covered the, the, the loan from the other person who they were afraid would might default, and then do it again and again and again, all to stay consistent with the initial decision to do it just this once. And then it went downhill, and that's how we got the financial crisis. Um, so... I want to talk about lesson two and then I want to tell you two quick things. Lesson two, this question, what job does my mom need me to do the most? What job does my sister need me to do the most? What job does my friend Peter need me to do the most? What job does my girlfriend Layla need me to do the most? That's a great, great question because it focuses on basically how can you help? Like what can I do to help? And it, it pulls focus away. Your inner spotlight is turned away from a sec for a second from you, and it it's, it puts focus on the other person. And it's such a great question, and it's so easy to do, right? Because it doesn't take much. For example, this morning, my dad. For example, every morning, my dad he he wakes up early, he has breakfast, and then he leaves for work. And uh, he, every morning, he makes tea for my mom. My mom drinks a lot of tea, so he. He uh, puts the water in the in the boiler and heats it up, and he puts the uh, puts it in the in the thermos can in the thermos, uh, pours it in, puts the tea bag in, and then he leaves it sitting there. What I often do is I 
after he's gone and the tea is steeped for a while, I just put on the put put on the lid and close it so it stays warm, right? Uh, this morning, for example, my mom said she was going to have uh, bread or rolls, actually. And I said I'm going to have cereal, so I went down. Uh, what I often do is I also boil water and I heat our mugs. So I pour some water in, in my mug so it's warm when the coffee comes in so that the coffee stays warm longer from our coffee machine because it's not that hot. So I did the same thing for her, right? Pour some water in her cup too. Uh, I heated some of the rolls, right? So she could just eat them and wouldn't have to, to heat everything. I put out some some jam and so on and some butter. Uh, and then she came. I was already in the office doing stuff, recording. And she was like, oh, yeah, you did this all. Thank you, right? And it was so easy. So, so easy to do that. Um, so just think, like, how can I help? Like, what can I do for this other person? Like, just think one step ahead for another person. Think, like, what are they going to need next? And then just do part of that for them. It doesn't have to be big. It can be really, really small. It can be sometimes a text, a piece of information. But it's it makes a lot of your relationships better, right? So now let me talk about which relationships that should probably go into. Um, so two things uh, I want to address. One is how what relationships need your attention and the other is about the first lesson so what relationships um basically a question i'm i'm or something i'm getting better at i used to be really bad at it is realizing that spending time with family is never a waste of time so whenever i have the chance to spend more time with family and not do something else i always do that like that's become my default and um, it's still not perfect but i'm getting better at it and it's it goes back to the first lesson like work is an immediate reward you can see the 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 usefulness of it there but in the end uh i think it's it's in tons of movies but the question is uh who whoever said on their deathbed i wish i'd spent more time at the office and if you can just keep that question in mind that puts everything into perspective so now i'm trying more and more to just default into you know what, just let me play a game with family. Just let me watch a movie with family. I often go and when everyone's here on the weekend and I just say, let's watch a movie together, do we do something and so on. And it's just, and it's wonderful. And I never regret it. It's awesome. Um, so I'm trying to get better at that. And I can only recommend that. The other one was about your best relationships uh, needing your attention in spite of it not seeming so. So I would argue that the very best relationships you have really are they're coined by responsibility and freedom. So basically, everybody takes care of their own shit. Everybody's free to do what they want. And even if you meet someone one and a half years later, it'll still feel the same like you left off at coffee yesterday. So that's great about that. But there's still, like, if you go the little extra mile, if you do the same thing, like, what does X need from me right now? If you do that every once in a while, it's it makes those relationships still so much better. So something I like to do, and I don't do it nearly as much as I should, I'll be the first to admit that, is to reach out to old friends and really good friends and my best friends and just say hi or call or send them a text if I haven't talked to them in a while. Um, I'm still bad at that. I need to get better. Um, I'm going to call a friend later today, which I've been meaning to call for like a week or two because we usually take a walk each Sunday, but I'm not in Munich right now, so we can't meet. Um so I want to do that on my walk today and just call and just check in. Um, but yeah, so just reach out to people you haven't talked to in a while, uh, even your best friends. 
they might not seem like they need you or but it'll still be nice and it'll still be beneficial for the relationship so just some reminders there hope that helps you make better decisions in relationships and uh, living a life that's meaningful and not just meaningful at work uh, that was how will you measure your life by clayton christensen and i will see you on the next summary <laughs>